Jesus, that name which is above every name, we come before your throne today and we realize that if we say anything today that is not led by you and by your power, that it's of no effect. But today, under the power of the Spirit of God, under the power of the cross and the resurrection of you, Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on our behalf today, everything we do, may it please you and honor you, that your name would be lifted above all names, that your promise says that if you would be lifted up, that you would draw men into yourself. So, Lord, today, help us become a missionary just by worshiping you, that you begin to draw the masses to yourself. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray, and everybody shouted amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you. So good to have Catherine's uh, family, aunt and uncle from Panama City Beach, Florida. you got to hate that. Somebody's got to live there, though, right? And, and Granny from Graceville, Florida. Granny, wave at us right there. Y'all say hello to uh, Granny there. Good to have you guys with us today. John Blanchard wrote a book entitled, Why Are We Here? And in this story, he begins to unfold the question, the age-old question, not at all rhetoric that we make it today, to ask the question, why are we here? What is our purpose? And in this book, he begins to unfold the 60 billion people that have lived on planet Earth since the beginning of time, a little over 6 billion living right now. And in this story, he writes that this name, this man Jesus, who came out of a no-name family, the son of a carpenter, and I use the word son loosely because, of course, you know that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. Joseph was nothing more than a surrogate father. That's why you don't hear a whole lot said about him after he comes into his life and even after 12 years old. You don't really hear anything else about this guy. Because, as I said last week, there was two separate uh, people there. There was Jesus the man, and then there was Jesus the deity, Jesus the God. And there was two different roles, and he had to be both of them at the same time, which we in our finite mind cannot wrap our head around, that he had to be fully man lest he could not have died on a cross. Yet he had to be fully God lest he would not have been able to pay for our sin debt as he died. Many died on the cross, but only one God left heaven and stepped into humanity, died on the cross as a man, but yet fully God, therefore satisfying the need for death because of our sin debt. But in this story, John Blanchard writes that there is no man more impressionable upon the earth ever, not even close. I mean, he never wrote a book, yet there are millions and millions of books, library after library after library, volume after volume, filled with his words. At any given moment, every single word that Jesus ever spoke is being evaluated, studied, scrutinized, sifted through at any one time. And think about that. Millions of people right now today, millions, perhaps billions, because two billion claim to walk in his name, i.e. a Christian. Perhaps billions of people are sifting through, studying, claiming his very words, yet he never wrote a book. He never had a, a degree. He never went to a seminary. He never went to a college. Yes, seminaries were raised up in the name of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you study our history, every Ivy League school started out as a Bible college. If you go on and study, you realize that the textbook that our founding fathers felt it important, essential, necessary to have was the words of Jesus Christ. That was the textbook. 
Sunday school as we know it today is not at all what Sunday school used to be. Sunday school was designed so that children who were working in the fields and didn't have time to go to school to get a degree could meet at the church house. How would you like that today? To meet at the church house to not only hear about God, but to be taught math and English and reading and writing. It was all about Jesus. It's always been about Him. He never had an army. Yet I submit to you, that millions have stood and defended his name, and yet millions more have died defending that name. He never had a church. But if we want to really break through that and say, well, maybe he did. There were 12 men that were his church. But he never had a mega church. He never had a home. He never had a place to lay his head and to call his own dwelling domicile. But watch this. Out of those 12 people that he had, let's just say he had the largest church split ever known to mankind. Because at the cross, there was but one, and his name was John the Beloved, who stood in the ranks, stood with Mary, his mother, because one of the seven things, of course, we know that he said on the cross, one was to John and, of course, to his mother. His whole church split. He had one deny him three times, cursing him the final time, yet we would call his right-hand man Peter the Apostle. He had yet another who was his, his purser. He had one that it was his treasure who would not only uh, deny him, but that would betray him to the face with a kiss on the face uh, for, for 30 pieces of silver the, co- silver, the cost for a common slave. But yet today, churches upon churches upon churches upon churches. I don't know if you saw the news in the last two days. Cuba is in revival. Has anybody seen that? 16,000, I had to listen to it, I went back and looked it up. 16,000, not people, churches have been raised up in Cuba. Evangelical Christian churches in the last little while. 16,000. All about this man named Jesus. Who came out of a small, minuscule town. And he changed the world. In Matthew chapter 16... Jesus had met his disciples in Caesarea Philippi. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, just you know the, the dialogue. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? One retorts, some say that you're Elijah. Some say you're, you're a prophet. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. And, and that was the dialogue that occurred often throughout the disciples' circle. What are people saying out there? Not because he wanted to be popular, but because he wanted to know how to dress the men that God had entrusted in his earthly ministry. Because the next question kind of settles all of that. He really didn't care what they were saying because he came come back and he said, Who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter's retort was brilliant. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And God, Jesus responded back to him and he says... God has delivered this to you. This is not something that you have fabricated in your own mind. This has come from God to you. And watch this. He said, upon this truth, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I said last week, and Pastor David and I was talking just as a sidebar to that verse, aren't you glad that it's Jesus that's building his church? Because if you and I build his church, we'll fall. If this church is built upon me or you or anybody else, it's going to fall. But if we rest in the embrace of Jesus building his church, watch this. There's not a man there's not a demon in hell that can come against the church of Christ so I take that question today and I ask you the same way Jesus asked his disciples who do you say that he is because I submit to you church member child of God that that question is one that begs an answer 
An answer that I believe when we stand before him, the only thing that we're going to have to reckon with is who was Jesus to you. Not who was Jesus to Mark, not who was Jesus to Northridge, not who Jesus was uh, uh, to, to Jan Dukes or someone else, but who is Jesus to you? And watch this, comma, and what did you do with him? Because you can't ignore it. To, to ignore Jesus is absolute fatality. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to continue in this message that I started last week and I won't finish today. Of who is Jesus? And, and Jesus would be the one that we would go to because he revealed himself in John's gospel seven times in the I am statements. Keith said beautifully, and I, and I love that. I think he was reading my notes or something because the reality is, is that started in Exodus chapter 3 with God's retort to Moses. Who shall I say sent me? He said, I am. I am sent you. The self-existing one sent you. Self-existing one in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled that. How do you know that, Mark? Because the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh in verse 14 and dwelt among us. And watch this, and we beheld His glory. Speaking of Jesus, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the triune God was in the beginning. God said, let us create man in our image. Jesus has always been. And if you take the approach of Jehovah's Witnesses that He was just a good man, He was a good teacher, He was a good prophet, I would say to you, my response to that, and I've said this to Jehovah's witnesses before i would say that's idiocy here's why because any other man in our culture today david koresh jim jones with a guy in a tragedy and on and on there's a guy out of brazil now claims to be the messiah let me tell you what that says to me if a man says i am jesus i am the messiah he is an absolute full unapologetic lunatic yeah, you can't say Jesus was a good man, a good teacher, a prophet, a well-to-do, whatever, and in the same sentence say he claimed deity. He would be a lunatic. So the question begs this answer. Here's where we, here's where we land on that today. we got to decide, is Jesus a lunatic that we're following, that we're gathering under? Sounds even sacrilegious to ask that question, doesn't it? What if, just what if, what if everything that we have believed, David, from the beginning of us being brought up in our parents' home, that this book is inspired by God, that it speaks of a man named Jesus, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What if, just what if, guys, play a game with me. What if it's all lies? What if it's a lie? We have to ask that question. Well, my answer to that is very simple. If it's a lie... And there's no God, and there's no dwelling place in heaven, and there's no hell, and there's no Satan. Here's the deal. Watch this. At best, or may I say at worst, we will be good people trying to do something that has value above ourselves. When we die, if it's all a lie, then we just die a pretty good gal or a pretty good guy. But what if it's right? What if it's truth? What if it's real? Watch this. If it's real, Wally, watch what happens. And I've, I've had this encounter with many atheists. And this is the point of reference that they have to come to. What if, just what if, you and your quote-unquote intellect, your biology degree, what if you are wrong and there really is a Jesus, there really is a day of reckoning, there really is a moment where you will bow your knees before a holy God to only hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. What if you're wrong? Let me tell you what's wrong. 
If you're wrong and there is a God and there is a Jesus and there is a blessed hope, then you will be separated for all of eternity in a place that was never prepared for you and I. The trade-off's pretty simple. I'm just going to jump off in it fully, hook, line, and sinker, that it is real, that there is a Jesus, that there is a hope, that there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That there is no weapon formed against me or you that shall prosper in Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That wasn't even part of the message, and you got that free. Colossians chapter 1, real quickly, let me read this to you. Verse 12 through 15, just going to read a few verses, I'm going to unfold something for you. Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, said this. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet. And that word literally means to be fitting. It's a picture of God looking out and seeing that it was not good for man to be alone. So he brought him a help meet. Stephanie Pritchett, 20, almost 26 years, years ago, Barnum at the time, became my help meet. Everything that I was not, she is. Everything I was lacking, she brought to the table. If you don't believe me, just ask her. You are, watch this, he says he made us meet to be fitting, I love that, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us, love this, from the power of darkness. You no longer have to walk in darkness. Young people, you no longer have to be afraid of the dark. You don't have to be worried about the things you see on the movie screen. Can I tell you what's interesting? How many of you have seen the movie War Room? How many of you have seen that? Go watch it. Go watch it. You'll get your tank filled. You'll be revved up. You'll be shouting at people in the bathroom. I was in the bathroom. I shouldn't tell you all this. But I was in the bathroom at the theater after get through watching it. And I was in there at the urinal. And we'll just stop right there. And I was like going, Lord, you just come down from heaven. And this guy's over there next to me going, I was having church in the urinal, what I'm talking about. I know. It charges us up. Watch this. Number one movie in America right now is War Room. However, comma, do you know what's the biggest rise right now in our culture? Is the occult. Mystery. Satanic. All the movies. Check them out, man. Some of the stuff that's coming out today. And watch what he says. He says, but watch this. He said, you be partakers in the inheritance of the saints of light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus, in whom we have redemption. Everybody say amen right there. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If it's not enough that you're redeemed, you're also forgiven, you're new. He who knew no sin became my sin and your sin and Adolf Hitler's sin and every person who has ever committed a sin, he became that sin that you and I made, me, made the righteousness of God in him. And watch this, and I love this, this is our verse. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. I said this last week and I'm just going to go back through this. Number one, Jesus is the one who reveals the Father. See, in the Old Testament, God was a spirit. He was untouchable. He was unapproachable. Jesus came so that men may grab on to the person of God. Colossians 2 and 9, Paul sums it up. For in him, Jesus, dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To see Jesus, you see God. We couldn't approach God, but you can approach Jesus. You can't get to Jesus without the Holy Spirit. He's figured it all out by his provision, making us a way since the fall of man to get back to a holy God. And Jesus was that way. Let me give you real quickly, under the context of Jesus, one who reveals the Father, seven I am statements mentioned in the book of John. 
I did two of them last week. Number one, he is that which we feed upon. John 6 and 35 said, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, watch this, though we shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Remember I told you last week, Jesus had two different relationships. He had that on his mama's side, and he had that on his daddy's side. On his mama's side, he hungered. On his daddy's side, he was the bread of life. On his mama's side, he thirsted. Yet on his daddy's side, he was the wellspring of life to never run dry, the living water. On his mama's side, he got tired. But on the daddy's side, he lived without any effects from the world or any effects from anything going on. On the mama's side, he was four days late at the tomb of Lazarus. But on his daddy's side, he said, Lazarus, come forth. On his mama's side, he died on a cross. But on his daddy's side, he got up. You see, there was two different dynamics that had to take place. Hypostatic union. You don't have to remember that. Just remember, he had to be fully God, yet he had to be fully man. He was the bread of life. He declared that. And if you look into those natures, you realize that he was the manna that was spoken about in the Exodus. That they would eat upon that. They could only gather enough for the day. If they gathered enough for the next two days, it would spoil. It would ruin. Why? Because he was saying, I want you to go out and get new bread every day. Lest you become complacent. Lest you sit back and not feast on me daily. Can I tell you something? The same is true for you and I. we got to feast on him daily. we got to feast on this word. Get in this book. This book will get in you. It will change your life. Ezekiel, I believe it's chapter 2 or 3, speaks about eating the scrolls, consuming the word of God. Because Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Number two, real quickly. He is that which we follow. John 8 and 12 says it this way. Jesus spoke to them again and said, I am the light of the world. Second I am statement is, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness and have the light of life. And I did the light. I'm not going to do it again today. We cut all the lights out and I had the spotlight follow me. Wherever I went, it went. Why? Because it doesn't matter what's going on around me. I have the light of Jesus on my life. And here's what I'm to be, Marty. I'm to be a reflector of that light. I don't absorb that light. Can I tell you something? God never blesses you without someone else in mind. God doesn't bless you just to bless you. In fact, if, if you're going to read it tonight, I'll kind of tell you a little bit of preemptive strike to this. You also don't go through difficulty just because of you. There is a hope that God's going to comfort you, that you come out of that funk that you're in, that you're able to comfort someone else with the comfort that you've been given by God. Nothing happens during your life just to affect you. Say amen, church, because that is the reality of realizing that it's, we're not some lone ranger out here. We're not just out here going from pillar to post doing a bunch of stuff. There's the fullness of God working in us. And he said, I'm the light of the world. But here's the question that I have to ask you. Are you willing to follow Jesus in that light which ultimately took him to the cross? Are you willing to take that step? Hey, how about this one? Are you willing to minister to the people? That are going to hate you. Are you willing. To hear the scrutiny of the world. The community. And say I love you in spite of you. Because he loved me first. Are you willing to take. The light of Jesus. Watch this. What is the light's use. If it's not to light up a dark place. I'm the light of the world. Number three. One of my favorites. He is that which by which we enter in. Listen to me. Jesus said in John 10 and 9, I am the door. If anyone enters in by me, capital M, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
as the musicians come, I want you to listen. I've got to unfold this for you, and I've I got something I want to show you. To understand this concept of being the door, you have to understand the sheep-shepherd relationship in the Old Testament, as we'll see here in a moment in our next I Am statement. The shepherd would take his sheep out into the wilderness, if you will, far away from the community. And he would build a hasty sheepfold out of sticks. And he would build them and sharpen sticks on the end. And he would turn the sticks inwardly, pointing inwardly towards the inside of the sheepfold wall. But he would do something unique. He wouldn't build a hinged door. He wouldn't put rocks in front of the doorway. Oh, no, no, no. What he would do is he would become the door. You see, if there was a doorway, if you can consider this being one side of the sheepfold going around this way and the sheep on the inside and it would go all the way around depending on how many sheep he had and it would stop here and there would be one opening. What he would do, the shepherd would take up residence, watch this, in the door. Because he says, I'm the door. No man comes in to the sheepfold unless he comes through me. You don't come in, Jesus was saying, and mess with my sheep unless you come over me, through me. And here's the deal. If he comes in over the wall, guess what? He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a robber. He's not coming in by me if he's coming over the wall. And guess what? Hey, here's some good news. Here's a big aha moment. If he comes in over the wall, Jesus says as a shepherd, then the sticks are pointed inwardly. I'm not worried about him coming over the wall. If I was, I'd point the sticks sharpened outwardly so we couldn't get in. Do you know why he's not afraid of him getting in? I'm glad you asked. Because he could kill him once he gets sin. He ain't letting him out. I want you guys to look at me for just a minute. Men in the house. Men in the house. Wave your hand at me like you just don't care. Men. I want you to size me up for a minute. You probably notice I've been working out. Not real funny, but thanks, Joy. How many men in here Size me up. Think you can take me. I want you to raise your hands. Hold them up, men. A couple of girls lifted their hand over there. Really? <laughs> hold them up, men. Come on, hold them up. All right. You got a pink shirt on, brother. I'm not we're worried about you. Okay. <laughs> Mike Neely in the back with oxygen on his face is going, I can take you. I don't know, brother. It'd be a good fight. I've seen you. But I want to raise your hand, guys. All right, Ray in the back, yeah, big old boy, Marine guy. John, seriously? Seriously, John? You are a big old boy. I don't know, be a good fight. Hold your hand, Jay. Jay's a big old guy. I get that. Hold your hands up. Hold your hands up. Big Dave. Big Dave, seriously, you're my youth pastor. You're going to whip my fanny, buddy? You got my back. Oh, he's like, I can take you, but I got you back. I'm going to hold your hands up just a moment. Hold them up. Michael, yeah, you, only because you carry a gun. Anybody else? Chad, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm, you freak me out anyway. All right. Al, seriously? Kim, maybe, but Al? Watch this. You can't touch me if God doesn't let you in. You see, I'm not worried about what man can do to me. I'm not worried about somebody taking my life. Hear me. I don't want to die, but guess what? If that's what God calls me to do, so be it. I'll do it for Him. But here's the truth. Here's what I want you to hear today. 
That door named Jesus Christ, nobody can come into Mark's life unless Jesus allow him to. I'm not worried about you guys. I'm not here for you. I know that doesn't sound pleasant, but I'm here because of the one who gives me pasture. And I go in and I go out and I can come and I can go. There is nothing the world can do to me that Jesus has not allowed. I'm not worried about what man can do to me. In fact, Jesus said it this way. Don't worry about man who can take your physical life. You need to be concerned about the one who can take your soul. You can't touch me. You can't harm me. I wonder, I wonder, can you take the punches today, church? Child of God, how many of you are saved? Can you take the punches today? I want you to embrace your haters in the life that you live. I want you to embrace those that would embrace those that would say things negatively about you, erroneously about you. Here's the thing: the haters in my life, listen, they have given me a new level of confidence. They've hated me on a level I didn't even know I was on. <laughs> I, I, I've had people say, "I don't want you to do this up on the mountain because we don't we don't want this, we don't want that." And I'm going, man, I never even thought about that, but thanks for telling me because that's a good idea. I think I will. Can you take the punches? What does that mean, Mark? Oh, Mark just started a church because he wants to hear himself speak. Ugh. That hurts. Hey, Mark, don't wear a suit because he just wants to wear jeans and be, uh-uh. that hurts, a little stab. Ben just wants to be a, a deacon because he wants, to, he wants to tell people he's a deacon. Oh, you know, it's kind of slap in the face. You know, Joy, she just wants to come to church so people can see her worshiping, holding her hands up, sits on the front. Ooh. And you get them too. But can you take them? Can you take the punches and stand up and say, watch this, though he slay me, yet shall I trust in him. There is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. There is nothing you or anyone out there in the world can do to me that Jesus is not allowed. And if he's allowed it, watch this. Don't worry. Don't have any kind of consideration for what's going on out there. Know that God's got a plan. And then that plan may be you suffering a little while. Why? We can be like the apostles in Acts chapter 5 that when they were beaten and when they were persecuted and when they were told, don't you go out and preach this Jesus. The Bible says after they were flogged, they walked out with joy unspeakable having considered it an honor to be flogged and beaten for the glory of Jesus Christ and it went right back to the synagogues maybe you missed a job because you think somebody sabotaged you no you didn't Jesus shut that door it wasn't your time well Mark I want the kind of marriage that, that you have guess what you can have the kind of marriage God wants for you you can have a better marriage than me if husbands you will love your wife as Christ loved the church he gave himself for her he loved her when she was unlovable he loved her when she was persecuting he loved her when she was slapping him and pulling the hair from his face and nailing him to a rugged cross and he said father forgive them for they know not what they do you want a great marriage man it's all about you it's on you it's never been anything but you you just need to start loving your wife the way Christ loves you. Mamas, mamas, you want those children who fear God? Are you praying with them? Are you bringing them to church? Maybe daddy's at home today. Don't you dare give them an option. You want to go with mama? You want to stay with daddy? You grab them by the nap of the neck and you say, we going to church. There are many women in this room today 
whose husbands have come to know Jesus Christ because they were faithful. Don't you dare give up, woman. Don't you dare give up, mama. Wife, don't you give up. Just keep going. There is nothing that can come against you. Jesus is the door of your life. And if anything has come in and on to your life, you can rest assured that Jesus has not only watched it walk by him, he has allowed it to. What are you going to do with it? I'm the door. If any man comes into me, he will have salvation. He will have forgiveness. I will let him go in and out. Where are you today? Who is Jesus to you today? The power of Jesus suggests, just like he said when they came to the garden, who do you seek? He said, we seek after Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. They fell back in John 18. Fell back by the mention of he being the one they were looking for. He passed the demoniacs and the demoniacs reached out to him. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing over here? What do you have to do with us? Don't cast us out. Don't kill us. They're afraid of him. The demons in hell tremble at the very mention of Jesus' name. A man with palsy was touched by his hand and his hand become clean. Leprosy, the whiteness went away. The dead got up. Do you not think? Do you not think that if he can resurrect the dead by saying, come forth? When they're four days in the grave, you don't think he can resurrect your dead marriage and your dead life and your dead hopes and dreams? He can pull you out of that thing, set your feet upon a rock, and put a new song in your heart. But you've got to ask the question and answer it. Who is Jesus to me? He's not just a good old guy. He is the Savior of the world, the hope for mankind. There's no other name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you know him today as the Lord of your life? Or do you just know him as a man? Do you know him as the man the preacher talks about? Or do you know him as Savior of your soul? The friend that sticks closer than a brother. How do you know him today? If you don't know him as Savior of your life, today God brought you to this place. Not because someone invited you. Not because I'm here. Not because the church started. But because from the beginning of the framing of the universe, God knew this day, this moment, September 13, 2015, you would be at this very spot to hear this. Jesus loves you right where you are and he wants to save you. Would you ask him into your heart? Would you invite him in right now? Because he will not knock the doors of your hearts open. He wants to come in. He's knocking right now. Would you invite him in? right now say this with me pray from your heart to God in faith right now father in heaven I am a sinner I believe in Jesus I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart forgive all of my sin Jesus will you save me today I ask you to be Lord of my life Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you pray that prayer in faith right here, right now, without debate, without hesitation, the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. And before I petition you with this question, I want to say this to you. Jesus was not ashamed of you. He was not ashamed of me. He went into the height of Passover, into the streets of Jerusalem, walked down that long hill, going up to the place called the Skull Calvary, carrying your cross, carrying your burden, carrying your shame, carrying your sin. He did so in the height of the largest crowd that could have ever gathered. And he did it because 
says he was not ashamed of you to call you his own. Are you ashamed of him today? If you're not and you ask Jesus Christ into your heart right now without any thought, lift your hand right now. Lift it up high and hold it there. Lift it up high. God bless you. Hold it up. Hold it up. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Hold it up. Anyone else? Hold it up. Put your hands down for just a moment. If you're not saved today, why are you not saved? Why have you not invited Jesus into your heart? Well, Mark, I'll get it right next week, or I'll do it tonight at community group, or I'll do it next. Let me tell you something. You're not promised another moment, another second. You could be dead before I finish talking. I'm going to give you one other opportunity right now, because I believe there's some people that didn't do that. Would you ask Jesus in your heart right now? Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. Jesus, will you save me and be the Lord of my life? If you pray and ask Jesus in your heart right now, and you didn't a moment ago, lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Hold it up. You know who you are. Hold it up. God bless you and you. Hold it up. Anyone else? God bless you and you. God bless you. Here's what I want you to do. If you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart, without any debate, there are people out here that want to pray with you. You're not joining anything. We're not going to ask you to say anything. But I'm asking you to come forward. So right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, right this second, don't you think about it. Don't you argue with yourself. If you prayed and asked Jesus into your heart, right now, get up and come forward. Just prayer. That's all I'm asking. Come on. Don't be ashamed of him. Take one step. He'll take the rest of them for you. Right now, I want you to take a step. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Doors of our church are open if everyone would look this way. The doors of our church are open. We'd love to have you. If God's impressed upon you to be a member of Northridge Church, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you be a part, get invested in what God's doing. There's work for everyone here. There is room at the end. There's never a time where we have too many people. We need help. We need prayer warriors. We need investments by you. God has brought you to this place today. And if this is where God's called you, I'm going to stand down here. Pastor David's over here. you got Ben and Chad here to pray with you. Stephanie and Charmin, if y'all would stand up front. Ladies, if you'd like to pray. If God saved you today, I don't I don't want you to think about it. I want you to get up when I ask everyone to stand. If God's calling you to join our church, I want you to come. But if nothing else, y'all stand to your feet. If nothing else, I want you to come and shake my hand or Pastor David's hand and say, yeah, I am touched today. I was moved today. I've been challenged today. Whatever the case may be, not for my sake, but just to step out and get you comfortable coming forward to trust Jesus. Whatever it may be today, I want you to come right now. I'm going to stand here. God spoke to your heart. Come shake my hand. God bless you.